The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and a game this big deserves a monster prize, not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How's that for big? All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of, get this, $1 million. Huge. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Rolanski, and as always, I am joined by a man wearing a very good sweatshirt right now, Nicholas Horwat. Horwat, repping the Tip of the Iceberg sweatshirt, which is available. I know we haven't said it in a while, but it is still available at tipoftheiceberg.whatforapparel.com. Get, we have sweatshirts, mugs, t-shirts. I hope we can get sweatpants in the near future. That would be pretty cool, but... Like I said, check it out, tipoftheiceberg.whatforapparel.com. Horwat, buddy, how you doing? doing? You know what? I'm doing good. I'm optimistic about things. Regardless good. of how we looked in Boston, we'll get into it all. I'm optimistic mm-hmm. about things with this team and the future and going forward. Things look good, sort of. Things do look good. Well, I mean, we'll discuss it and why I think they look good, but because <laughs> uh, there's plenty to be negative about right now. It's just good to be positive, you know? It's always good to be optimistic. Glass half full is always the best way to look at it. Glass half empty. I will admit there's been times. Absolutely. There's been times. Absolutely. And it's been less than half full, I guess. It's been been about a quarter full, but at some points, but you know, you always got to look at the positives. You always got to look at the bright side because that's what we have to do to stay sane as hockey fans and specifically as Pittsburgh Penguins fans, as this season already looks like it's going to be one roller coaster of a ride strap in keep all arms and legs inside the vehicle while it is in motion and um be ready for anything this shit might break down or it might keep on trucking it's like that one ride at cedar point whichever one's got the big one that it only makes it half the time literally every single amusement park has that one ride that it's either working or there's 15 people suspended 150 feet in the air stuck for an hour and a half yep so we're this that's how this ride's gonna go this year we don't know what we're gonna get but strap in let's make it more and it's popular so it's here let's make it more pittsburgh oriented it's like the phantom at kennywood half the time it'll be shut down half the time it'll be working that's what the pittsburgh penguins are going with before we jump into all of that, I did want to mention I'm back on the sports betting train now that it is legal in Virginia. And thanks to DraftKings for helping me out and getting on there. And then thanks to me for being great at sports betting. Yesterday, I hit my first parlay back, five-team parlay. Yeah. 
put down 15 bucks, won 170. I'm back in the game. I'm excited. And that's all thanks to DraftKings. As we mentioned before the show even started on our ad, check out DraftKings.com. Use promo code THPN and get on on those DraftKings parlays. Get it on all the Super Bowl bets because that's a week yep. away. It's a good time to be a sports better, and I'm glad to be back in the ring. Hell yeah, Pratt. Good to have you back. Even I got back into into sports betting. I had 10 bucks left in my DraftKings account. I said, screw it. I'll give it a shot. Megan, I can't even take claim for myself. Megan said, hey, go with Kaepernick to score tonight. And he did. So 10 bucks turned into 39, and I am slowly but surely going to build that, hopefully. Tip of the iceberg, we make bank. So listen to our predictions. See, we're both making money this weekend on the sports betting scene. So if anything, you should tune into the show just to get some tips. We'll, we'll, we'll give them out. I guarantee you most of them will miss. Oh, yeah. So we are not liable for any money you miss or lose taking our advice. But Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Exactly. With that all being said, let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins week. At least since the last time we spoke to you guys on Monday's episode, since that happened, of course, it started with a 4-1 to loss to the Boston Bruins on Thursday. The Penguins dropped both games in Boston. Absolutely. And I tweeted this out on the Iceberg Podcast Twitter account after the game. That was a pathetic performance. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The entire game, forwards, defensemen, goaltending, it was a rough scene. And they did not have anything going. Whenever Cody Ceci is the only player on your team to score a goal, you know it's going to be a rough night to begin with, but Boston just had an answer for everything the Penguins tried to do, and it even got to the point where it almost seemed like the Penguins weren't trying to do anything because Boston was controlling the pace of play that much. Yeah, and as bad as it may have been, you know, I expected it. That's exactly what I expected from that game. Our defense was shredded, and it got more shredded in the game, so it it just didn't look good. I mean, the outlook didn't look good going into it, so I kind of didn't expect much and we didn't get much i mean i just recently learned and i wish i knew this before recording the last episode we hadn't won in td garden in how many years i didn't see that stat. it's been years since we've won in boston so it kind of came as expected to me especially with a shredded defense and a good boston team that we haven't beat in their own building in forever so uh, it's kind of what I expected, but yeah, it still didn't look good. Silver lining then, I guess. We only have two more games in TD Garden this year. Yeah, and apparently it's gone, at least last season, it was whoever was the home team got the win between those, those two teams. And I think the season before was the same situation. I don't remember exactly, but that's how it looked. And home in that battle, the home team's going to walk away with a win, it seems. And it's good to know that the Penguins can at least beat Boston on home ice, especially because there is a high chance if the Penguins are able to make the playoffs that if they want to go anywhere, they're probably going to have to go through Boston. Yep. If not Boston, then Washington or Philly, or, or maybe even one of the other teams in the East that are really good. Of course, we can talk about it till kingdom come because this is such a good division, but Boston is probably going to be one of the teams that you would think is going to be there at the end of the ride in the East division. Yeah. I mean, we both had them going first, didn't we? We did in our, our before season predictions. Yeah. We both had Boston first in the East, and I think we both had the Capitals up there as well as second. But it, it's the fact that this team has always given the Penguins fits, and that's what made it even more shocking that afterwards 
the calls for firing Mike Sullivan, trading Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, they were quite loud <laughs> on Thursday night and Mon and Friday, all, all throughout the day, Friday as well. Why is it that after this loss, which put the Penguins at 4-4, four and four, it's not like they've lost every game. They are at 4-4, four and four, and their four losses have come on the road to Philadelphia, which we've already talked about ad nauseum. They outplayed the Flyers and just had a lot of bad luck and off to a bad start and Tristan Jari's performance and all of that. And then two games against Boston, which you mentioned early in the show, a place that they have struggled to win. And they lost two games there, one in overtime. Yet, all of a sudden, it's like they're 0-9. What were your takes on the reaction on, on social media? I just think it's the way we've been losing. It's, it's how we've not... Like how only one of our wins have come in regulation. It's how bad guys like Latang and Malkin have looked to start the season. You, I mean, Malkin's aware of it. He knew it. He owned up to it. So he's aware that he's been playing bad to start. And But when Malkin promises a turnaround, he'll deliver on it. He did it last year. Um, I, It's just Pittsburgh overreacting. I mean, there's been a lot of calls for a dark future in all of Pittsburgh sports, not just the Penguins. I mean, the Steelers aren't looking too hot and because reasons of we're probably bringing our quarterback again next year, whether people like it or not. The Pirates just keep saying they're in a rebuild. They've been rebuilding since 1993. I refuse to believe that playoff run in 2012 or 13 actually happened. <laughs> and Pitt basketball looked good for a couple games and we see where that got him. Pitt football is Pitt football. So things are not looking good in the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, how are the hounds doing? That's kind of what we've come down to. I know they had a good year last year, but I'm not sure what they're doing this season. I don't even know if they're in season right now. I forget when soccer season is. Um, I know, I know they've made the playoffs a couple seasons, but I think they've lost in the first round every time. That being said, people are just upset that this town is might be going into a very dark era for sports and it's it'll be the first time in a long time for that but the penguins are the last saving grace i mean they're the last team with a chance it seems so i think that's kind of where people want us to survive it's they want the best for the team right now so we're not looking into the dark abyss a lot sooner they want they want the stars to be good and they want uh heads on pikes if they're not that's all there is to it. Is it a little overreaction because we're still only nine, ten games into the season? Maybe a bit, but at this point, I think we figured Malkin would have turned it around. I mean, three points, four points in nine games, however many it is, not good. It's not good. And he he owned up to that yeah. after Thursday's game in the postgame press conference, not only saying that he needs to play better, and he also said the same thing that we've been saying is, it's a different game for Evgeny Malkin without fans in the stands. It's a different game for everybody. So that's not an excuse that he gets to use, but he, he still threw it yeah. out there that it is different for him. It's not us saying that anymore. It's him saying that, but he also took, you know, ownership of the fact that he is not in the, he was not in the best of shape coming in. He didn't get the opportunity to train in Russia the correct way. He didn't have a chance to do anything, but here's the problem with that. You're a multimillionaire. You can get home, home workout equipment. He said he was doing pushups and sit-ups. I'm like, you're a multi-millionaire. You get a, get a bench, just a weightlifting bench, a, a, some dumbbells. I don't know. I. The thing is, he at least he's taking ownership yeah. of it, and he did play a little bit better in New York 
on Saturday, and we'll get to that, of course. But at the same time, he needs to hit that stride, and it needs to be more than just one off. It needs to be not one game on, one game off. He needs to be the best Malkin he can be. And like I said, we'll get into that. Something else that came out in between those two games on Thursday and on Saturday, Rob Rossi put on The Athletic. He said, finally, he gets to report the nugget that Jim Rutherford had a trade worked out Wednesday to acquire a defenseman from a North Division club. But the Penguins got wind and killed the deal because they had accepted Rutherford's resignation already. The trade did not include Chris Letang, so let's not go back to that rumor. This led to the signing of Yannick Weber for defense depth. So here's the thing. That means, one, the rumors that Rutherford left because of trying to trade Chris Letang at least squashed for right now. Mm -hmm. Two, there was a trade in place that Rutherford made after he had already sent in his letter of resignation, which, you know, work until the final whistle. I, I applaud that by Rutherford. And thirdly, Yannick Weber was not his signing. So we can only assume that Patrick Alvin then is the one that signed Yannick Weber because if the Penguins brass is not going to let him make a trade with the North Division team, I'm not sure why they would allow him to make a waiver claim after they have already accepted his resignation. So Yannick Weber is officially the first move for Patrick Alvin is what I've also yeah, heard. So, so there goes all of Alvin, Alvin, that kind of ruins my little yep. gift management there. But his first move is Yannick Weber. And we'll get into that now. I mean, Yannick Weber plays his first game in New York on Saturday. What did you think about his first outing? It's not good, Bob. It's not good. Um, honestly, I didn't notice much because I was also playing games. Again, I finally had a chance to watch a full game in front of my eyes, and I decided to drink and play board games while it was happening. So <laughs> I wasn't paying full attention to the game. But, look, I mean, you wrote it down in the thing, so I looked up the numbers, watched some of the highlights, and it did not look pretty. Uh, being a minus two in a game where your team scored five goals has been brutal. That's yeah, and the two minuses were pretty brutal yeah. as well. Yeah, it's it's not a good start, but I mean, he's a player that I feel like can turn it around. I mean, it just makes sense that he would. Just maybe getting his feet under him. I mean, is this the first game he's played this year? This is the first game that he has played since March of last year with the Nashville Predators. He didn't even play in a return to play. Shit. Okay, so yeah, he's had a long, long time off. Did he have any, I mean, do we know, did he have any, like, training camp? Like, has he skated at all? I'm not privy to that information, yeah. but I did see, it, they did say on the broadcast yesterday, this is his first game since, I believe, March 6th of 2019. Hey. So, I mean, you can even practice in training. Or not 2019, 20, sorry, yeah. 20, 2020. I'm still messed up on what year it is because of COVID, but March 6th of 2020. And with all that, you can train as much yeah. as you want. Game action is a lot different, especially a team as fast as the Rangers are. Yeah, so I'll cut him slack for that game. I mean, in your first game back, getting thrown to that, I mean, not just getting thrown to the Rangers, but I mean, getting thrown on a team where, boy, this defense doesn't look that great either right now. And it's hurt and you got brought in for injury reasons yeah i'll cut him slack for that game um you just hope it turns around relatively soon i mean i'll probably cut him slack on the next game too but that's just because it's literally been so long since he's played so benefit of the doubt on game one partial benefit game two game three is when it's going to matter to him and given how this is going he might not make it to game three he might break an ankle by then yeah, and that, of course, you're, you're definitely talking about the injury to Chris Letang after the first period. What does that do to the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, the, 
it's it's ridiculous at this point. It's the fact that it is focused in on one area with the injury bug right now. The Penguins have missed and are missing for extended periods of time. Mike Matheson, Brian Dumlin, Marcus Pedersen, Yuso Rikola, and now Chris Letang being evaluated for a lower body injury. We're not sure how long he's going to be out at this moment, but it has to stop at some point, doesn't it? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's the fact that it's Latang and Dumoulin, the one-two. Yeah, Matheson, we talk all we want about Matheson, but he, he's a body at this point. He's hurt. Regal is down. Patterson's down. This is brutal, man. I mean, we brought in Weber for this reason, and here we are. Churchman got put in. He hasn't played a game since 2014. It's hard to watch i mean i was whenever i did get a moment to watch some of the game i happened to catch the part where Latang was walking past the rink because in msg that's how it's set up watching Latang walk to the back from on the other side of the ice i said is that Latang? please don't be Latang. not another defenseman anyone else sort of please but not him or it but it was a sight it was almost like that benny hill music was playing in the background as he was walking back it's just just another one or not benny hill music the uh oh that larry david show seinfeld no the other one you know what music i'm talking uh, about I, it's, i'm i'm blanking on it right now i don't know which one you're talking about curb okay, your enthusiasm well, maybe yes that one that that like dun dun yeah. dun 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 that's just what was going through my mind watching him walk to the locker room i was like kidding right another one and the penguins i mean they they kind of adapted in that game i don't know how much you want to say they adapted giving up four goals especially considering some of the goals that were given up and, and we already mentioned it yannick weber on two of them were just he was just out muscled and could not get positioning on new york rangers players in front of the net that's something he's gonna have to fix but he showed a little bit of physicality he showed a little bit of puck skills so let's hope that the more time that he's out there the better he plays uh, again someone tell him to change his number maybe it's just the number three in the, for this team you would think that but at the same time there's a number 73 that's out there playing his ass off that's different that's different that's different. why is it different because are you talking because about num- the, the curse of because, Oli Mata or the curse of jack johnson yeah both that's what i'm saying the number three goes back prior to just the jack johnson era Oli Mata is a stanley Cup who champion. wore three before Mata? doug murray <laughs> it keeps going i have I, I have trouble fighting that but i mean at least there is a number 73. If we do another one of these, and we already did two episodes of this, of the best player to wear each number in Penguins history, we don't have to relegate to Jack Johnson for 73 anymore. Now we can both, without a doubt, say nope. in just five games, it is P.O. Joseph. Joseph, of course, getting three yeah, assists. Somebody, I saw a tweet, P.O. Joseph is starting his own orchard or something like that with all those apples. I love that. P.O. Joseph had a good game, and it's not the fact it's not even the fact that he had secondary assists. He touched the puck and somebody else did all the work. He had three primary assists against the New York Rangers. He's the first rookie defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins to get three assists. I saw, I believe, since Ryan Whitney did it, is is what I saw. Hey, so I mean, good shout out there to the Wit Dog. What have you seen so far in P.O. Joseph's game? And and how big is this game for him to you? How how much confidence do you think this gives a guy like P.O. Joseph, who is now Need I remind you, on the first defensive pair for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
So I can finally answer your question from last episode of of if he should stay in the lineup, which is a yes. It's a resounding yes now. There's no reason why we should take him out. He is an absolute stud. I mean, three primary assists, not even secondary, was primary assists in this game um, is huge for a rookie who a week before getting to the first line was on a taxi squad. We knew he was going to make it eventually. We didn't know he was going to come in like this and play like this. It's all great stuff to see, and going forward, it's going to be amazing to watch. It's going to be great watching him grow in the system um, and grow into that body size. Yeah, he's still a little guy out there, but, I mean, keeps if he keeps this up, he'll be stronger than everyone, and um, it'll be exciting to watch him play. Like How we were excited to watch Justin Schultz in his first full season with us. We knew he could do something, and we knew he could really be someone good on this team. And then he proved it. So now it's time for Joseph to not only show it, but prove it again. And, I mean, yeah, you're getting thrown to the wolves quickly, kid. But you're handling it well. I mean, in your second game being on the first line, your D partner goes down in the first period. Now here you are getting shifted around a little bit because now you're playing with 5D. It looked good. That's the way it is. And, honestly, playing with 5D going forward might not be the dumbest move, but... I don't like that idea. That's just me. Yeah, that's not... But I'm into what Joseph's been doing so far. It's not the best idea playing a defenseman down for an extended period of time. That's not something you want to do. So you would imagine if Latang can't go on Monday, and we're coming up on our first back-to-back of the season. Yeah. On Monday in New, New York, and then we play New Jersey at home on Tuesday. So you're going to need these guys, and you're going to need depth, and mm-hmm. you're going to need stamina and right now these guys are we're kind of at our wits end with our defense now you would imagine churchman goes in if Latang can't go on monday so right back to the same place and having 11 players play on defense and still right now if somebody else has to come in relief that'll be 12th so you're running out of defensemen you're almost through a full cycle of a secondary group of defensemen going in and playing but on the defense who is the leader if Latang is out? Is there a leader on this defense, or is it just six guys trying to piece it together enough to get points in the standings? I think it's going to work as just six guys trying to put things together. But if there had to be one, God, it's I would have to say Marino, I would guess. You, though? Well, but exactly. I mean, he did, hasn't looked great either recently which sucks but he'll turn it around we know he will do we do we (laughs) though i mean we don't have that big of a sample size when it comes to career trajectory for john marino he had listen he was one of the best if not the best defenseman on the pens last year and i don't i'm sorry for cutting you off but do we really know that he's going to turn it around in our hearts yes uh because we believe in him and damn it it's matt venzel said it right he might be the captain of this team one day I didn't disagree with that statement. I enjoyed that statement, and I've kind of looked forward to that now going forward because, I mean, he's the longest contract on the team right now. So it's something. I genuinely think he can. I mean, this is a couple bad games. I mean, I'm sliding so much benefit of the doubt to these guys. This this defensive group is hurting badly. And, And, yes, it sucks. It's early, okay, but... I mean, other than a couple boneheaded penalties and a bad game, it's not the end of the world for him. He's got a long feature ahead of him, obviously, and he can do great things here and in this league. 
I think it's totally possible he turns it around. As for being a leader on this defensive unit, I mean, I think it's possible because CC is just too new here. Yes, he's played a couple hundred games in this league, which is nothing to scoff at. But in this core and in this system, it just doesn't count yet. I mean, he got healthy scratched. Beyond that, P.O. Joseph, I mean, uh, he's not the leader yet. He's just played his fifth, ga like fifth game. Then there's Chad Ruedel, who could be, because of NHL experience and just being here forever. But, yeah. I mean, and Yannick Weber, same thing as CeCe. Brand new here. You're fall it's falling onto Reno's shoulders just by fact process of elimination. That's the way I'm seeing it. But for the most part, it probably is just six guys just trying to figure it out, doing what they can. And standings points are ever so important in the East Division, which seems like almost every game in the East Division goes into overtime. So points are a plentiful over here in the East. And here's the thing with John Marino. He is having an awful start to the season. It's not just to me, it's not just, you know, a couple boneheaded plays in a bad game. He's getting outclassed and outplayed, and it feels like players have the book on John Marino right now. It's up to him to adapt, and so far he hasn't. Now, it's also not helping that he's been fed so many new partners in just 10 games on the defensive side. It doesn't help that he's playing on his opposite side and trying to readjust to doing that. So John Marino, listen, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying the kid is done. I'm not saying that we falsely put a that would be ridiculous. That's almost as bad as an overreaction as saying fire Mike Sullivan after eight games into the season. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. John Marino is not the best defenseman on the Penguins right now in his play at this moment. Right now, the best Penguins defenseman is P.O. Joseph. It, it shouldn't be, but it is. Wise, it's P.O. Joseph. If it comes to the, the leader in the clubhouse on performance right now, it's Joseph. If you go leader in the clubhouse right now on experience in this organization and with this defense, it's Chad Ruweedle. So like you said, it is all six guys. Let's figure it out. Try to stem the tide. Bridge the gap between now and when we start getting these guys coming back. Hopefully when Dumoulin comes back, he starts to play a little bit more than like he did before his injury last season. When Latang comes yeah. back, hopefully he gets his his luscious locks out of his ass and he plays the way that we know Chris Latang can play as a defensive leader on this team. Hopefully Marcus Pedersen comes back and shows what he showed when he came over from Anaheim, and hopefully the Pens can pull it together on the blue line. You forgot Matheson. Ma hopefully Matheson just can just not be, be as bad as Jack Johnson. That was that was my that that was my expectations. That was my bar set at the beginning of the season. Listen, that bar's not moving. Be better than Jack Johnson. That's no. Yeah. You do that, okay, cool. That's one good season down and one season off your contract. I really don't care if you do much more than that as long as you're better than that abysmal anchor of a human being on the blue line that we had for two of the last two seasons, then I really don't care how much better you get. But let's move on from the defenseman and kind of start to talk a little bit about the scoring. We talked about Joseph getting three assists. Sidney Crosby gets the overtime winner, which is nice to see. Crosby does lead the team in points, but... The one thing that we didn't count on this season has been the one thing that the Pittsburgh Penguins have kind of done better than almost everybody else in the league, and that's depth scoring. They are in third place in the league right now in number of players to score a goal. And let me pull up the list that AT&T Sports put on the broadcast yesterday. The Montreal Canadiens, who have been a shock to everybody to start this year mm -hmm. up in the Canadian division, they've had 16 different players score a goal. That's crazy. And then Washington has had 15. It helps when four of their players, three of them being forwards, were suspended for the last four games. But 
I digress on that point. And then the Penguins, with 14 different players scoring a goal. You haven't seen many players score multiple goals. Now you've seen Tanev has three. I believe Crosby, that was his either third or fourth goal last night whenever he scored the game winner. Kasperi Kapanen now has multiple goals. You know, Brian Russ does. Jake Gensel got his third. Now you're starting to see the Penguins players get more than one goal. But the fact is, the depth scoring has kind of been their strength this year. So what does that say to you? Is Can they contend with the scoring structure that they've had so far in the first nine games? Um, yes, because we know the first two lines can turn it around. You would hope. Easy as that. Yeah, but we know they can. So it's easy as that. It's as easy as we know the first two lines can turn it around. And all the bottom two have to do is continue. Just don't don't skip a beat. Keep it going. You can hold on to that. Then you've got four decent scoring lines. And that's kind of what you're looking for. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened to Jankowski. Sevier just picked up a healthy scratch. And Drew O'Connor is looking like someone who can really build into an all-around player on this team. There's our bottom line who, you know, they might have to be the ones that figure it out, figures it out. I mean, Bluger as well as flipping back and forth between three and four now, it looks like. Good. He's got to pick up a little bit more, I guess. I don't know what he's done yet, but again, defensive-minded forward. We're not worried about him scoring. It's his wingers now. McCann and Tanev, who Tanev looks phenomenal again, mm-hmm. as usual. Should be <laughs> used to this. Um, and we've seen McCann kind of kick himself around a little bit. He's getting better. So as so the bottom six, if they can just continue what they're doing, we know Crosby can turn turn a game on a dime in no time. We know Malkin's in the midst of turning his game around. We know Zucker's getting better, right? He has, he has, yeah. He's got a lot of opportunities, especially on Saturday. He had a lot of opportunities, and he he put yeah. one away. He he went to the right position. He deflected that first goal in from P.O. Joseph's shot pass, but he also had three or four premium scoring chances, so it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's out there doing the right things. It's just eventually his shooting percentage has to go up. And it will. And it will. I mean, we know Rust is still good. That's great. And then there's Kapanen, who is finally in the top six and playing phenomenally. Yeah. I mean, what, five points in so, six games for him? Yeah. Yeah. So we're good. Again, if the first two lines just continue riding their ship, which which they are in the middle of doing, and that's good to see. And as long as that happens and the bottom six just keep going. We're good. We're phenomenal. We can, I mean, we don't want to. We can give up six goals a game and score eight. <laughs> and just play, dear God, what is this kind of team hockey? And I'm not into it, but if it gets wins, I'll take it. Yeah, the big thing for the Penguins is they need that top six. I, I don't think Yeah. the first nine games of the season, the scoring structure that they've employed, you know, the bottom six scoring every once in a while, the top six, hey, This is what the top six we expected. And then all of a sudden, it's where did they go? They need the top six to be there to be a contender. They can have the bottom six there and kind of play around the fourth, fifth position in the East. But if their top lines get going and then they continue to have this supplemental scoring from the bottom six and the back end, that's when you become a true contender. And I'm not ready to say that they are one yet. I'm ready to say that they have the makings of one. I think the team that I've seen so far in these first nine games have the raw talent to go out there and be a contender in this division. 
They just need to put it together and they need to play to their abilities. These players have not played to their abilities just yet. Mark Jankowski, he started out really well. And he I'm not saying he's played poorly, but he's kind of faded back into the background. Colton Sevier, same thing. And that's why you saw him get switched. By the way, condolences to him. He is now eliminated from the Iron Penguin Award for the 2020-21 season as he was replaced by Sam Lafferty on Saturday night. He is now out. If Latang misses, that will be every defenseman except Marino that has been eliminated from contention oh now. So a lot of names kind of trickling down the list for the Iron Penguin Award in 2020-21, one of our most coveted awards that we give out here at the tip of the iceberg. But back to the actual discussion. I mean, the scoring that they have gotten so far, it's nice to see Tanev have three. It's nice to see Kapanen come in and automatically not only make a difference, but make a difference on the score sheet where you can physically see it. Yeah. So it's nice. They need a little bit more from guys like Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. And this is nothing new that I'm saying. This is nothing that any Joe Schmo that have watched the games can tell you because of the way that Malkin's been playing. But this is the thing that they need to be contenders. They need Evgeny Malkin back up to a point of game. They need Sidney Crosby doing Sidney Crosby things. He's done that so far this year. It hasn't correlated exactly as it usually does, but it's correlated. He scored the game-winning goal. Mm -hmm. And now I believe that is his 18th regular season overtime goal, which puts him in sole possession of third, passing Ilya Kovalchuk now. So congratulations to him on that, another obscure stat that he's climbing the leaderboard of. But for this offense and for this forward core, just keep moving where you're moving. They're, they're projecting upwards as of right now. They just need to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, imagine this team if, you know, every line does start scoring the way they're supposed to be. I mean, we've only gone one game with one goal. We've had multiple goals in every other game so far, and it goes from, they're huge numbers. I mean, you got four goal games. you got five goal games. I mean, we don't have a six yet, but, again, we could have a couple if things would go the right way and if the top line could pick up a few. I mean, we don't want to be relying on that because our goalie might give up five per game, but um, it's something to look at and notice. Uh, we can win horse races, basically. We can win these shootouts. We can win just these all-out defensive breakdown-style games. It sucks to watch, and it's nerve-wracking hockey because you're afraid every shot the other team takes is just going directly in. But... It's, it's at least a little confidence there. As for the goaltending, boy, oh boy, that just has to pick it up so we don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And we can win blowouts rather than these back-and-forth mm -hmm. games. Something to look at. A goal that was pretty nice was watching Kasperi Kapanen. And you mentioned it's nice to see Brandon Tanev be good, as he has been since we signed him. How nice is it to have mm -hmm. both Brandon Tanev and Kasperi Kapanen on the same team? Excuse me. The speed that those two have... Listen, I don't want to say I want them both on the same line because they're both playing right wing right now. But the fact that you have both of those players and both of those players right now who are able to finish, it's definitely a lot more entertaining to watch than watching a team just try to chip it in and go and chase the puck. These guys spread out the ice. And for Kapanen, that's going to mean a lot for Evgeny Malkin because that's going to open things up. You already saw on Saturday night the pass from Malkin to Kapanen. That gives Malkin another assist. And a good pass that should raise his confidence being able to set a guy like Kapanen free and seeing Kapanen be able to finish on the breakaway where both of his goals this year have come so far. 
that gives probably Malkin a little bit more confidence in his new line mate, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, Malkin's going to love playing with him. I mean, that assist got Malkin past Yager on the all-time Penguins points thing. Nothing to no. stop that. Malkin is solely the third best player on this in this franchise ever. Fight me if you disagree. It's something that it's good to see he's got a good line mate. Not saying Rust or Zucker are not good line mates, but it's a new one, it's a fresh one, and it's a friggin' fast one. So, I think it stays. I think we keep Kapanen there. Yeah, we wanted Kapanen to play with Crosby. Well, guess what? This is working. And so is Rust and Crosby. Jake, I don't know what the hell you're doing. I mean, doing he scored yesterday. He scored yesterday. Cool. I don't know. I forget how many goals he's three. got, but cool. He's got three. Cool. You're doing great. Keep it up. Do a little better. Make, make yourself a little more noticeable, at least. But you're doing great. First line, nothing too much to worry about there. The second line was something to worry about at one point, right? We all went into this season saying, well, this is about to be the best damn line in hockey, and it's not even our first. Well, then three games later, we're like, what the hell is happening here? Now we're nine games in, and it's, all right, we found it. We found it. We found the speed on the right, the scoring on the left, so long as it picks up. And we found a center who's about to dominate the league again. Dear God, we hope so. But it's all looking good. That's a that's a great line there that can do something. And it's going to be fun. It's speed. It's veteran domination. And it's someone who can score. It's cherry on top. It's the chef's kiss. It's the, it's what this team is going to need to really juice uh, our scoring. And let's hope they continue to do that through the next week because there's a lot of games coming up that are winnable for the Pittsburgh Penguins and they need to go on a run here to prove that they are yeah. one of the top teams in this division to make an early statement against some of the teams like New Jersey, like the Islanders, who I continue to think are going to finish in the bottom and the basement of this division. But Let's move along from that. One other thing that I wanted to mention about this game, actually. One last thing. John Marino got a penalty for playing the puck without a helmet. Is that a stupid penalty? And I'm not saying is that a stupid penalty on Marino's part for playing the puck, which all he did was really poke check on his way to the bench. Is it a stupid penalty to be called? Yes, it's a dumb penalty uh, to be called. Now, if you really think about it, it there is reason behind it. I understand it. that. I just go it's, ahead. It it's hard. It's just really hard to determine if it is a stupid penalty for the league to be making. It's it makes sense. It's probably the right thing to do. But at the same and it is yeah, it makes sense. It's the right thing to do, especially in the league going forward. I mean yeah, we played how many years just straight up without helmets, but every sport yeah. did that. <clears throat> it's something to show that the game is still progressing in the right way of certain things in in the health of these players and they're taking care of their players. I get where it's coming from. It's hard to determine. I mean, first of all, it's dumb that Marina would take a penalty like that. Start there. Regardless if you like the rule or not, it is the rule. Yeah. And you know the rule and you follow it. It's dumber than the puck over glass penalty. How about that? It is much dumber than the duck, the, the duck, the, the puck yeah. over the glass penalty. But here's the thing. I don't think Marino intentionally played that puck. I think he instinctually played that puck because as a defenseman, yeah. he was heading back to the bench. It's not like he was out there playing his position on his heels. He was skating to the bench and the puck came out 
the Rangers player was about to take possession of it, and instinctually he just poke checked. He he didn't stick handle. He poke checked it on his way to the bench. So I don't hold any of that against John Marino because that's his instinct. Whenever you're a defenseman in the National Hockey League, you've been taught for how many years now? You poke check that puck, keep it away from the opposing team. I don't think that's a good penalty. I get the point of trying to enforce it because you don't want players playing without helmets. But here's the thing that needs to be done. We need to make a decision whether or not we want to be playing the game as power plays the entire time or if we want to call the game to where it's safe for the players but it's still entertaining to the pack that we get five-on-five play. There's been a lot of penalties called early on in this season league-wide because there's a point to me where safety is important but there's a point that it gets in the way of the play of the game and the pace of the game. And I don't want that to happen. So I have a rebuttal okay. for that. Brandon Tanev had the same thing happen to him in a Washington game. I forget which one exactly. But what he did was very interesting. He was about to jump into the play. He remembered that the rule is he doesn't have his helmet. He can't get involved. He didn't. But he skated in the way of players on his way off the bench. He skated like in the way of Capitals players. Yeah. And it messed them up. They it was there was a scoring chance about to happen. His diversion of where he was going, it kind of threw the Capitals off a little bit. That's a smarter way of doing it because it's not a penalty. They're not gonna call that because you didn't interfere with the puck. You just kind of rerouted yourself. It's smarter to do it that way than it is to straight up play the puck because obviously that one's a penalty. It's There are smart ways of doing this dumb rule, I feel like. That's kind of where I'm going at with this. There are smart ways of playing around this dumb rule. Is it a dumb rule? I'm going to say no just because we get why they did it and every league, every league, period, is taking these initiatives to do things for the head safety of these athletes. Um, so it makes sense. But... There are smart ways to go about it now. And I think that's one of them is just really just getting in and messing up their track. I mean, because if you got to get out of position to do something, you may as well take them out of position too. I don't know if you can lay a hit or well, anything. That, that would you're... be interference. So I would imagine you're not allowed to do that. I'm just trying to remember the play Tana made now because it's not in any highlights anywhere. I just kind of remember watching like That was a smart way of doing that play. And if it means anything, this rule is also in NHL 21. I want to point that out. I, yeah, that, that that means absolutely nothing for me. But <laughs> It doesn't, but the, it's in NHL 21, and that's how serious the league is taking it, I think, because if your helmet gets knocked off, I think it's in certain parts of NHL 21, I should specify. I think it's in, like, season play modes, where because I remember that my helmet got knocked off on my Be A Pro character, and I couldn't get into play at all. It's straight-up robot like robotics took me off the ice so it's interesting that that's how serious the league is taking it as for it being a penalty it's a hard conversation to have it's hard to really get to the point of it it's dumb to take that penalty i'll say that because you know the rule you know what happens and you're a professional athlete you know your rules follow them don't screw your team over as for the instinct, I don't know. It's all very hard. I'm kind of talking yeah. in circles. I get it.
no, you're fine. You're fine. It, it it's a hard thing to talk through yeah. because it's such a new it's a new rule, obviously, and it's such a weird one where it's almost it's weirder than when they started really enforcing goaltender interference because it was like, okay, what what can you do? What are the parameters? And that's where we're at with this. What are the parameters of this rule? Like, when does it get called whenever he touches the puck or attempts to play the puck in any manner? I don't know. It's a strange thing. So what I'm hearing you say, though, is it's not on John Marino for playing the puck. It's on John Marino for not doing it in a smarter way like Brandon Sanders did. And I guess. not being experienced enough to understand, although I can't play this puck, I can skate through this guy's stick I mean, and not touch the puck and don't move my course of action enough and then get away with it. It's weird. Yeah. It's a strange rule, and we're still learning about how players are going to get called and aren't going to get called. Yeah, and, and maybe even what Tanev did wasn't right because I think he went to lay a hit too. I think he may have done that, but it, it, even the refs got to get used to it too. So yeah. maybe this one was just kind of ref making the quick judgment call because he knows it's a rule. Whereas in the Washington game, it was, wait, what is the rule? Like, do we have to call that one because he didn't play the puck, but he played something else? Don't know. We're going to find out. It's a whole new rule for everyone. Le- or, you know, Officials, players. This isn't so much an experienced thing. Like, this is a new rule for everyone in the league. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit more experience in – okay, this is the rule, follow it along, play your game. You know, it's something to learn, it's something we're all going to learn, and it's just a difficult conversation to have because we don't know what the hell the rule is really. We've only seen it enacted a handful of times this season. Um, I know McCann lost his helmet not that long ago, and he had to skate out of a power play, I think. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to watch. Um, and I'm sure... I'm sure the Penguins will, the Penguins will lose a game from it eventually. So we can really have the discussion of um, how stupid or smart this is. For now, I'm just saying it's the rule you got to follow. Play it smart, and every time it, every time something like that happens, talk to an official. You know, see like what the parameters of it are. See what each official kind of has to say about it. It's something to learn, something to. I'm not trying to say game the system, but you got to game the system a little. And one last thing I have to say about it. I think the best way for that call or penalty to be called, if they lose their helmet, yeah, I understand that due to safety, they should not be in the play anymore. They should get off the ice so they don't get hit in the head, get hit and land on the ice and their head hits off the ice. I understand the need to have this rule in here. I'm saying the way it's called and the way it should be called, if they – Attempt to go play the puck, yeah, it should be a penalty and they should be told, you know what, you're supposed to be off the ice. But in the path to getting off the ice, as long as they are not endangering themselves by going down to block a shot, anything they do in the path to get off the ice, they should be able to play that puck. Okay. Because they are still NHL players. And and like this call on Saturday night, Marino was heading off the ice. The puck ended up in his radius and he just poke checked. Yeah, it got called, but he poke checked. How much was his, you know, his health in danger there? Not that much. That's, I mean, that's the way I think it should be called. That in their, on their trajectory to the bench to get off the ice and out of the play, if something to come around happens to come around, and they should be able to play that puck because they're still the fifth man. The NHL should not force a team to be shorthanded for that amount of time. While the player is trying to do what you you want him to do. 
because he is shorthanded then. Uh, uh, he's not on the ice. And yes, Brandon Tanev knew what to do, and he, he kind of finagled his way throughout the situation and made a play without making a play mm -hmm. in the eyes of the officials. But there should be a little bit of leeway. That's that's the only thing I'm going to say. I have another question. Is there is a too many men on the ice penalty going to get a, get affected from this? Because how quickly can that can that uh, can that player coming on? How quickly can they get on? Because we've seen line changes where at one point there might be eight nine. You might have ten feet. Yeah, like. But, I mean, like, we've seen just right normal line changes where at one point there's, like, eight, nine players on the ice at once. Now it's not too many men because the because of how the, who has the puck and where it, the whole situation that I bet sometimes we never understand. <laughs> but how soon can that player coming on, how soon can they get off the bench and get into the play? Because if it's an immediate, like... There's a helmet off. Someone can 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 someone immediately fly over the boards, get into play, not touch the puck because that is too many men. Mm -hmm. How soon can they get into the play while whoever lost their helmet is still getting off? Again, now we're getting into gaming the system. This is what sports are about, people. They make the rules, now we break them. It was a small two-second play, and we just dissected it for the last 15 minutes and the rule itself so that welcome to that a is podcast what sports are about. welcome to a podcast about hockey where the rules can become obscure and can get called so weirdly that we have to talk about it for a quarter of an hour but let's move on Let, let's finish out talking about these two games yeah. with something that i saw all over the place after the boston game during the new york game and i saw a little bit today as we're getting ready to record this why are people attempting to start a goaltending controversy right now uh, between Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. Horwat, is there a goaltending controversy? And if so, who who should come out on top? And if not, why are people talking about it then? You flew that banner up so fast. <laughs> um, People are making one because it's Pittsburgh and it'll get attention. And we are a city that has thrived on three goalies since... Three main goalies since 19... When did we get Barrasso? 90? We got Barrasso in 1988. Well, in the matter of time to do math, 32 years, 33 years, that's three goalies. Well, that's uh, one goalie per 11 years, if that if you average that out. But because we're a city math that... Math guy? Yeah. Math guy, Nick? <laughs> math major. Um, Yeah, it's... We're a, we're a city and a town that has enjoyed just watching veteran goalies play their careers here basically we've enjoyed watching these long stints of goal great goalies okay we ignore the time in between flurry and barrasso where there was a mishmash of just names and faces and patrick lalim who we traded away <laughs> could have had a career goalie there too but i digress um just this weird other than that weird era we've watched just goalies perform here and then we've had then we've just had controversy of well now one's leaving well he should maybe he should have left maybe he shouldn't have left okay that happened then we had this other great goalie maybe he should have left maybe he shouldn't have left maybe he never should have been here in the first place well now here we are again because now the goalie controversy isn't so much the discussion of murray uh, did you have you has that been part of it at all has this whole controversy been involved around murray or do we really still hate him that much 
I don't think Murray's been in anything I've seen. I've seen some sarcastic jokes saying Murray should come back, but let's also not forget Matt Murray has played absolutely awful in Ottawa as well. So to be fair, that team's let's not just forget about Matt Murray. To be fair, that team's not supposed to be good. That, That's fair. That team is not supposed to be good, and I hope he's aware of that at least. But, yeah, it's all this controversy of, is it between DeSmith and Jari? Is that the controversy? Because, dear God. That's what I've seen. Okay, if we're worried about one of those two being a starter, well, at this moment, neither of them should be. <laughs> yes, DeSmith is a good goalie. He's a good backup. I do not want to see DeSmith be the regular starter. I, I know we have friends out there that love him to death. But, but I think even they would say he shouldn't be the full-time starter. But Horwadi's 3-0. and Ooh. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure the Pirates started off 4-0 at some point in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, more math since 1993. I'm sure the Pirates have gotten off to hot starts before. We see how that goes. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing much else to say other than this is dumb. I hate this town sometimes. <laughs> um, it's time to move on from the past stuff. You went on this rant last week, I think. You, mm -hmm. It's time to move on. You live with what you got in front of you. There will come a day where, I don't know, other other fan favorites aren't on this team. We gotta we gotta work with it. Someone brought up the Patrick Hornquist stat today, of he's got three power play goals this year and the Penguins have four. Guess what? Who cares? He's not on our team. Neither is Matheson. So who really cares? <laughs> that whole trade's a wash. <laughs> For right now, it's none of my concern what players and other teams are doing for the time being until they play us it's not my concern i'm worried about who is on my team and who that my team is playing for my team jari is my starting goalie that's the way it is does he suck right now yes let's be honest he does can he get better also yes i hope one's a little more hopeful than the other but yeah just the smith being starter is a dumb conversation I talked about this on the live stream during Thursday night's game on the, on the live stream for the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. And I was on there in the first period. And that, this was one of the questions they brought up to me is, is there a goaltending controversy? And the answer to that question is no, because the only controversy is if you have one, then your team is not good. The old adage, if you have two starting goaltenders, then you don't have one. It, here's the problem. We've always had, okay, when Flurry and Murray was the goaltending controversy, you had two starting goaltenders. When Murray and Jari was the goaltending controversy, you had two starting goaltenders. Okay, well, now it's Jari and DeSmith, and the problem is you have one guy that has the ability to be a starting goaltender, and you have one guy that has the ability to be a good backup goaltender in the league. I don't know if DeSmith has what it takes to even be 1A, 1B material. And even if he did... He's not 1A. He's always going to be a 1B. That's his ceiling is a 1B right now. And that's what it's going to be because he is who we think he's going to be as a goaltender in the NHL. I don't want to bash on Casey DeSmith too much, but at the same time, he's not a starting goaltender. And somebody has to see that that's trying to make this point that this is a goaltending controversy. It's not. Here's the thing. Tristan Jari is your starting goaltender. That is the fact, plain and simple, the end of the story. Because if he isn't, and if he can't play as a starting goaltender, then this team has no chance this year. Because with Casey DeSmith as a 1B 
or a starter for this team means that Jari has failed to the point where this team cannot recover. This is not a question. This is not a controversy. And this is not an issue. The issue right now is that Tristan Jari is not performing. And yes, it is lucky that Casey DeSmith is 3-0. It's helping the Penguins stem the tide of an early season drought for Tristan Jari. We've seen him play a little bit better in recent weeks. So it's not as frustrating right now as it was whenever they were playing the Philadelphia Flyers. But here's the problem. This city tries to make controversy out of nothing. So when there is a controversy... I will let you know, and it'll be time to run for the hills. If there is ever a controversy this season that actually makes sense and is a controversy, it is time to run for the hills, Penguins fans, because that is the end is nigh, the bell has tolled, and that is the end if they cannot figure out Tristan Jari's issues and get him to be a starting goaltender. Casey DeSmith has done well. He's played extremely well in place of Tristan Jari when he's been asked to but he's not a starting goaltender in this league. He might be a 1B if he plays at the top of his game, but this is not a question. Pittsburgh loves controversy, man. They, they do. want one in every sports team. We got the they we do. got the goalie one here. There's a quarterback one in, with the Steelers. I said this before. There's a quarterback one with the Steelers, and there's a general manager one and owner one in the Pirates. Because, I mean, you can't have a controversy when there's no good players on the team. So you got to blame management. That being said... The one that Pittsburgh, the one controversy that Pittsburgh fans should be worried about right now is the Steelers one. Because I wouldn't be too worried about the Steelers right now. That's off season. I would just get ready for Super Bowl and be like, let's hope Tom Brady doesn't win a seventh Super Bowl. Beyond that, yeah, there's nothing. There's it's a non-story with this whole goalie thing. Mm -hmm. Goal, goal, goaltending is voodoo. How many times do we have to say it? At least once more. Goaltending is voodoo. There we go. Now we're now we're good. Now we all have an understanding, right? <laughs> we all have an understanding that goaltending is voodoo. Tristan Jari can become the all-star just as quickly as he became the dud that he has been so far this year. Casey DeSmith, he's been fine this year. He's been good. He was good in relief last time he was a backup. <laughs> Let's not forget the fact that he's also not shut out every team he's played this year. It's also not... He gave up four goals. Yeah, we... Oh... I don't think we've given up less than two yet. No, we have not. We yeah. have not thrown up a one or a zero yet this season. And let's just also not forget, DeSmith was not good last year, and he played in the AHL. Yeah. Again, I don't want to keep. I don't want to rip on Casey DeSmith because he has played well, and he is a good goaltender, and he's a very likable human being. Yeah. I mean, he plays disc golf for God's sakes. He is a very likable human being, but. Let's also not forget the fact that he is who he is in net. He can only play to his ability. We cannot hold that against him, but we cannot expect more than what he is capable of. So that is where I will end that. Horwat, do you have any last thoughts before we go to break really quickly and come back and talk about Darren Drager's asinine comments that he made <laughs> on Friday? Nope, let's get to him. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break first. So that way we can pay the bills. When we come back, we're talking Darren Drager, Sam Poulan, and Nathan Legare. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools 
for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Ooh. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and by DraftKings, the best online sportsbook in the U.S. of A. We continue here on the Tip of the Iceberg, Season 2, Episode 18, which this season's kind of rolling along pretty fast. We're already on Episode 18, kind of shocking, but we roll on here with Darren Dreger, who is a reporter for TSN. He is the heir apparent, from what I've heard, to Bob Father, Bob McKenzie, who has tried to kind of take retirement. I don't know. It seems like he doesn't want to let go of the game yet. But Darren Drager is a guy that's made a name for himself as being one of the top insiders in hockey and one of the top insiders for TSN. On Friday, he went on insider trading on TSN and said that if the Pens don't qualify for the playoffs, or if they don't do well in the playoffs, probably, presumably, another one and out like they've done the last two years, that they, quote, owe it to Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and to a certain extent, Chris Letang, offering to trade them next offseason for the opportunity to go play for a contender at the end of their career. Horwat, what did you think before I go into my comments on what Dreger did here? And we both know, listen, we were both at Point Park School of Communication you graduated with a degree in journalism, if I'm if I'm yep. not mistaken. I graduated with a degree in broadcast reporting. I hope you as well as I saw exactly what he was attempting to do here. Horat, what are your thoughts on it? Well, he got our attention. It worked. We're listening. We're watching. We're seeing what you have to say. Um, you know what? I don't. I totally disagree with what he said, but I see where he's coming from. Because we watched the league where Wayne Gretzky got traded. Yeah. And what's the line? If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anyone can get traded. And that's true. It is. This is a business. We are really discussing businesses. I mean, we are. We're discussing corporate businesses. It's just the way it is. And if what he said was very wrong, it is. We know that. Uh, but at the same time, we, we live in a town where people want Malkin and Latang traded every day that ends in Y. So this comes as no shock to me, honestly, that someone finally said maybe it's Crosby's time. Back when they were both in their prime, that was a bit more of a question because it was 
whenever I say in their prime, I mean before their prime really hit, like early 20s, that kind of thing. That question came up a little more, like if you had to pick one or the other, who would it be? And there was real discourse and discussion to have there because it was, it really, you really could have gone either way at that point in their careers. At this point, though, there is no question it's Crosby and Crosby only. No offense to Malkin, we understand how great he is. But if anyone's going anywhere, it's not Crosby. That's all there is to it. Latang might most definitely be playing on another team one day. Yeah, we want to see all three of them retire Penguins. Latang might most def he's the most definite to be playing on another team one day. Malkin's second in that category. Whereas Crosby is the least likely and straight up not gonna happen candidate. That's where that stands. I see where he's coming from to A, get the views and get an attention grab. If he had good points behind it, though, I haven't seen the comments in full. If he had good points behind it, though, I get it. Because, again, Gretzky got traded. And, I mean, let's be honest, it probably wouldn't have happened, but we didn't get to see the chance or the opportunity to Lemieux get traded. To see Lemieux get traded. It's possible that could have happened had he not bought the team and really said, no, that's not happening. I am staying with my own team. That'd be a strange conversation to say, hey, can I call you into my office? And he's talking to himself and he says, Miss, listen, Mario, <laughs> we have to trade you. Then he runs to the other side of the table and says, oh, come on, man. And then he runs again and he says, I'm sorry. And that whole conversation. It, it would be even funnier because, you know, it's the GM's job to do trading. And he just sits Mario down like, listen, I know you're the owner here. You're keeping that role. But you're getting the starting center role in, I don't know, Ottawa. Hey, I know you're my boss and all, but I just wanted to tell you that your new office is the third floor building of the Arizona Coyotes locker room. You're starting center, but you still have to sign our paychecks. Have fun. Um, No, I mean, let's be real. If had it not been for him retiring and then buying the team, he may have gotten traded one day. Let's just put that bluntly. I mean, conjecture, ifs and buts. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't. And it's rare that we see players go their whole careers with one team. Mm -hmm. I mean, Crosby's probably the most definite candidate for that right now. Seeing comments like that come up these days are a little more shocking. If he would have said this, what year is it? 2020. If he would have said this 10 years ago, I think we've all been like, yeah, that's a conversation that people are going to have. So I think the timing of it's weird for Drager. But now I'll digress and let you talk. I know you've been waiting for this. I've just been rambling. The timing for this is not weird. The timing for this is exactly as he planned it. Mm -hmm. Before I dig into that, what you mentioned about a couple of years ago, eight, nine years ago, there was talk of, all right, if you had to choose who, which one would it be? And it was a conversation. Well, that's also because in 2012 or 2011, one of those two years, I can't remember off the top of my head, Evgeny Malkin had just won a scoring title and an MVP. Yeah. So... Obviously, there was a lot of talk because he was the league's best player at that moment, and Crosby was dealing with his concussion issues. Hence, that conversation back then. Today, why this came out, Darren Drager, the best way I can put this, he took a note straight out of the Mark Madden playbook. Uh. And if you're from Pittsburgh, you know exactly who Mark Madden is. And if you're not, you probably still have a fairly good idea of the way that Mark Madden structures his news releases, structures his interviews, structures his shows. It is to get the most eyes on possible, and that is nothing less than what Darren Dreger was doing. There is no coincidence that he had this 
news, and if you aren't watching this, if I didn't clip it, <laughs> news is in air quotes. It is not news. It is him throwing out an obvious statement and putting a little spin on it to make it sound like news. Listen to what he said. They owe it to 87, 71, and 58 to have the conversation after this season. Nothing of what he said there was founded in fact. Yeah, obviously. They've won three Stanley Cups for this organization. They owe it to Crosby, Malkin, and Latang to do whatever would make them happy. If they want to leave, then yeah, that's a conversation that should happen. Hey, would you would you want to go to a contender? It's obvious. Here's the other thing. This is a conversation that was had last offseason with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Guess what team they're both employed by? They're still employed by the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, the Penguins might owe it to those players to have that conversation. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. That doesn't mean that conversation is going to necessarily result in one or multiple of these players getting traded. And here's the other thing. Let's say Darren Drager, what he said is based in fact and is something that is happening. If those players play to their ability right now and play to their capacity, they don't have to worry about getting traded to play to play on a contender because they'll be playing on one already in Pittsburgh. This team, contrary to the belief of many around the country, is a good team. And that's without Evgeny Malkin playing well. And that's without Chris Letang playing well. And that's with Sidney Crosby leading the team in points, yet still being called out for not playing to his ability. If those three players who we're talking about, though, that's the whole basis of this conversation and Darren Drager's hot take, if those three players play to their ability, they don't have to worry about leaving the zip code to play for a contender. They're playing on one right now. So what inflamed me and what irritated me is how easily this became front page news. Because I understand that not everybody went to school for something like reporting, something like journalism, something like broadcasting. But this was so transparent in the way and the reason that it was brought out. Darren Dreger is trying to make a name for himself. And everybody does it. It's not just Dreger. I'm not jumping down his throat. I told you, it, he took it straight out of the Mark Madden playbook. And Mark Madden has been benefiting on that for 50 years. This is something that reporters do. This is something that we do a time or two. But here's the thing. It was completely opinionated and became a conjecture of fact because of the reaction taken by everybody online. So it did bother me. And it did kind of surprise me that people thought, oh my gosh, this is the last chance for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. If not, we might see Crosby get traded. No. First of all, both Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby have expressed several times their interest in finishing their career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm -hmm. That is what they want. They have three championships. Yeah, they'd like another one. But from what it seems like, it wouldn't be the same if they went and won it in Tampa. They want to win it in black and gold. Chris Letang, completely different story because of the way that he's been playing, the way that he's not untouchable. Listen, right. if you asked me in 2015 which of the big four, and that includes Marc-Andre Fleury, would be gone first, it was still Chris Letang. And yet Fleury's the one that was gone. But here's the thing. Now that it's Letang or the two untouchables in Crosby and Malkin, it is Letang's time. If any of them go, it is him. That makes sense. But to the root of, the root of this discussion, Darren Drager, it was transparent. It was easily to look through and see through, and it's not actually news. So everybody can relax a little bit 
from seeing that. Realize that when big bombshells like this come out, look at the timing. They had just lost their worst game of the season to Boston, which is why he decided, eh, I might throw this news out. It just, it bothered me how quickly that became news when it was literally just an opinion. I could sit here and say, asparagus is better than pizza. Doesn't mean that it's news. That means it's a bold-faced lie because I hate asparagus. But I'll let you respond before we go into two of the Penguins' best prospects now playing on the same team. I'm just going to add to the timing part of it. I mean, you covered everything I was going to say. Like as, as you were talking, I thought up a couple notes and then you crushed them so good on you you covered everything <laughs> this has been sweet this has been great um but i'll say the timing part of it is not just the fact that they lost it's the fact that they lost bad the day after their gm got or their gm resigned it's now there's a vulnerable interim in there and there's about to be a new one other gms could be taking like could want to take advantage just hey Dubas, do you have this new guy's phone number yet? He's got Crosby and Malkin. We're going to try and just scoop him while we can before someone smart gets in there. Not saying Alvin is dumb, but it's other GMs trying to take advantage of a weird situation where a less experienced man is in there. And that's that's just what I'm getting at with the timing-wise. But, yeah, it's something that got picked up on the front-page news. I mean, um, what's his name? A fellow writer with named Chug McSween from the Hockey Writers, also does Penguin stuff, wrote about it. He put up two possible teams, two possible landing places, if this was to happen. I don't know how, can, but can you guess the two teams? Because he gave decent decent reasoning for one of them. The other one I was a little confused at. But The, the Montreal Canadiens was definitely a place for Crosby. Yes, that was one of them. That was one I was a little confused at, but I, it makes sense. It was his childhood team, and his dad played for him. Yep, those are the reasons. And then for Malkin, probably... Oh, no, it was just the Crosby thing. Not Malkin, but just Crosby. Oh, it was just Crosby? Yes. Toronto. No. Uh, Oh. Colorado, which... Oh, Nate McKinnon. I stumbled over that, and I thought, you know what? No. I'm not saying... No. For a second, I was like, that's something I gotta pop into a video game and see, because that just sounds fun. Those two together sounds fun. They're both centers, though, aren't they? I think Nate McKinnon can be whatever Nate McKinnon wants to be. I like that. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, the in return, I think they'd be losing anyone not named Nate McKinnon or, K- or Kale McCarr. So, I mean, in return, the Penguins are probably getting a Landis Gog and a Rantanen. There you go. There's a future. But the idea of McKinnon and Crosby playing on the same team, get ready for the Olympics, people. That's oh, where it's going to happen. The Olympic conversations are going to be so much fun at the end of this year. I just hope everyone knows Canada's going to dominate if those two are on the same line. I just hope everyone knows Canada's going to dominate regardless. Yeah. And I get that we just watched and witnessed the World Juniors where Canada was supposed to dominate and the United States just took it to them. But this but is a different time, animal, man. We're dealing with professionals who yeah. have been there. We're dealing with some of the best players of all time going out there and showing their stuff but unless that'll be the second that would be the second line because we know mcdavid's getting that first line right well yeah that that's only fair only fair and and if you saw his goal that he scored on saturday that's just a microcosm of why i can't wait for the olympics now 
Well, we'll have to pause on those conversations for at least a couple more months. But let's talk real quick about the Penguins prospects. Some pretty interesting news as Sam Poulan and Nathan Legare, two of the Penguins' top five prospects, get traded to the same junior team in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. The both of them now play for, and I'm going to screw this we're up. We're going to butcher this. Val d'Or Forest, or whatever it is. Or Val d'Or, but yeah. FDF is what we're going to call them. Sure. Because we are now officially an FDF subsidiary podcast because they both play for them. They're both now that they used to play for the teams they played for Sherbrooke. And I'm not sure which team um, Legare played for off the top of my head. By, by Como Dracar. Yes. Dracar. They were both in the bottom three of the QMJHL league standings. And now they're the third place team in the league. Cool. So that's good for them. They're playing with better players. It's going to help them. And if they get the opportunity to play in the Memorial cup, that's some pretty good playoff experience if I've ever seen it. The wingers are now both playing together on the same line, Ooh. on the number one line with Jacob Pelletier. If you remember from World Juniors, as we just mentioned, he was on Team Canada. He is also a 2019 first-round pick of the Calgary Flames. So that line, we already know just seeing it on paper, that that line is going to be fun to watch in the QMJHL. Let's also throw in the microcosm of the fact that in their first game, with their new team, Sam Poulin had two assists and Nathan Legare had two goals. So in their first game together in the queue, they account for two goals. I would imagine it was both Poulin going to Legare and we already know what Legare's shot looks like. So good to see two of the Penguins' best prospects getting to play with each other and getting to kind of feed off of each other for the first time in an extended period. It's a huge move if you think about it. I mean, they're not... They're down there building chemistry now. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that they may not have had it before, but now they're on the same team. I mean, I didn't, I don't remember, or I definitely didn't see when Legare got moved there. I mean, whenever I had to Google it, and it's his Google still says that he plays for Drakkar, so there's that. But I mean, I saw him tweet tweet OMG whenever Poulain got traded there, but I didn't think much of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But then I saw them announce that lineup, and I was like, wait, when did they both get there? <laughs> so here they are. They're killing it. They're building chemistry. And if you want another reason to root for that team, that's where Latang played his minor league hockey <laughs> or his junior yeah. hockey. It's all getting better. Um, God, that'll just be fun to watch, I think. And like I said, it's going to build chemistry so long as they're able to keep playing down there. We know the queue's been weird this season. But if they're able to continue playing and keep getting games in and build this chemistry holy shit next season will be fun too yeah i'm not too worried about them building chemistry because one of the big storylines when they were both drafted is that they were childhood friends oh, cool so they already have some pretty good chemistry that's probably a reason that vdf as we will definitely forever be calling them now because i do not want to attempt to pronounce that name again but vdf probably saw that and saw that they were two very skilled players in the penguins organization and putting them on a line with Jacob Pelletier is just the icing on the cake for them. Yeah, and maybe this is the the bolster that Legare needed to turn his game around because apparently he had a bit of a step back last season. That, um, I mean, it didn't uninvite him to training camps, but he missed the shot at making uh, the squad that went up to Toronto last last or last postseason, whereas Poulin did. So there's a little something there now. It's he's got 
He's going to have an extra step in his game. He's going to have a little extra juice. It's going to be more fun. Now it's just got to all kind of fall into place, and it's got the time to do it. And if it, it isn't already a really good sign, scoring two goals in your first game in that situation is a good start. That is definitely a factor. But we're going to take another quick break here, but when we return, we'll close out the show with our weekly Pens Bowl. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammates, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Brayden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Rube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your rear. Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump listen to blue notes and always play to the whistle a reminder that you can follow blue notes on twitter facebook and instagram at blue notes pod i'm the voice of the blues tom calhoun the benefit of time poor what the benefit of knowing when you're going to talk about it what happens in the future when i put out this pens poll last monday and knowing that I wouldn't wasn't going to talk about it for at least six days, I definitely wouldn't have expected two of the four names on this list to be injured for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But at the same time, I should have just assumed, considering the Penguins' injury history. But this poll kind of had a surprising twist to it. The question was, through almost two weeks, who has had the most disappointing start to the season? For the third straight week, it was kind of a runaway for first place. And I kind of want to make sure that this week's Penn's poll is going to be a little bit closer than the last three weeks because Evgeny Malkin has by far been the most disappointing Pittsburgh Penguin to start this season. He got 68% of the vote from our listeners. Jason Zucker came in second with 21%. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. And he has played better in the past week. So with the benefit of time, as I just mentioned, he probably wouldn't have been on this list, let alone been second place in the voting. Chris Letang, surprisingly enough, had less than 10% of the vote. Only 9% goes to Chris Letang. 
And Brian Dumoulin, who I threw in there because I thought he was struggling, and now, of course, he's yeah. injured. He only finished with 2% of the vote. Uh, seems to me that the only reason Latang was as low as he was is because not many people expected him to be good in the first place. That's the only thing that I can get to wrap my head around this. Coral, what did you think about the poll? And first, before you say that, who did you vote for? Uh, I voted for Malkin. Yeah. Now let's, let's hop in the time machine. Let's go back a week. At the time... Yeah, Jason Zucker was having a brutal start to the year. Why? Because we were all expecting that second line to be a bombshell. And then the ignition never went off. So I see where the people were getting that Zucker answer from. In fact, I kind of agree with it. It's just we expect far more from Malkin. I mean, he was three points away from tying, four from breaking Yager's uh, numbers in Pittsburgh. I... Th- I thought he could do that in the first game. I really could three a three point night for Malkin's nothing. At least it shouldn't be. The fact that it took him until game nine to get four points, yeah, that's the slow start that we don't want to see from uh, one of the better players of the last decade and a half. So I understood the Malkin answer. Obviously, it's why he won. That's why I voted for him. Then you roll down the list. We have just discussed Dumoulin being not good this year. That's all there is to that. And everyone knows Latang, man. Everyone knows this conversation. We've had it a thousand times. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he worth it? Is he not? You know what? He's good. He needs to get better. But it's not the most disappointing part of this team right now. It's disappointing how bad Chris Latang has played. Yeah. Not disappointing that he's played bad because he's always had those spurts where you just shake your head. And there was a time that I was not a fan of Chris Letang. There was about a two-year period where I I did not like Chris Letang as a player. I liked him as a person. I always liked him as a person. But there was a time where I thought as a player he was absolutely awful. Oh, I did a story on inj- on uh, Letang getting injured for the fan today, and every comment on Facebook was that we should have traded him years ago. And there was not one of, I hope he gets better. It was all, we should have traded him years ago. But here's the thing. Even though I had that thought process for a long time of you know what he's not that good you know what he's not worth the mistakes that he makes he is and i realized that and i'm not going to say we should have traded him because we shouldn't have he was the number one guy on our defense he's still the leader in our defense core and there's a reason for that it's because he's not god awful it's because he's not a replacement level player he's a top pairing defenseman yeah yeah he's not you know smart enough to stay away from making as many mistakes as he does. But at the same time, the pros have always outweighed the cons with Chris Letang. And that's been the way he's played his entire career. That wasn't going to change. The problem this year is the fact that the cons, for the first time, have really started to push the pros into oblivion. And that's something that he needs to turn around. And that's why I was a little surprised that he was only at 9%. As you mentioned, the reaction on Facebook to your story about him getting injured was people... I mean, Facebook comments, I try to stay out of that rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely. I just, it was a slow news day. Um, I had time to scroll through and it was just, I mean, it was just Pittsburgh fans being Pittsburgh fans saying we should have traded him a long time ago. That's not, that's not them not wanting him to come back or not get healthy from an injury. That's just them saying, that's just them being armchair GM. Just, hey, we should have traded him a long time ago. You start to think back at it. If we would have traded him at his prime, what the hell could we have gotten in return? Like let's and like we like we just discussed the Crosby thing where he's playing with 
McKinnon and we're getting Rantanen and Landeskog at least in return. What could we have gotten for Latang back when he was getting more Norris votes? Like, or is it, is it that tweet? Is it, oh, the, who was the one for one? PK Subban, Shea Weber, one for one. Are we getting that? Oh god. <laughs> because both of them have lost that trade. It seems. I mean, like, is that the bombshell that the Latang trade would have been? The winner in the PK Subban Shea Weber trade was definitely the Montreal Canadiens. Well, they still have them, and they're still decent. Uh, and he's still good. <laughs> he's their captain. Yeah, he had he just had some down years, I feel like. But that being said, like what what would that um Elliot Friedman tweet been? Or Bob McKenzie, whoever made the tweet. What just Latang for enter name here. One for one. Send tweet. Who would it have been? And how could that have Latang for Ryan McDonough, one for one. Ugh. If you think back to then, that's when Ryan McDonough was starting to hit his prime. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a guy like Victor Hedman, which no. is what a lot of Penguins fans seem to think. It's, listen, you're better with him than you are without yeah. him. You're better with him than you are with whatever he would be worth. Yeah. Here's the thing. You can say ifs, ands, or buts, or if this would have happened, this could have happened, or right. we should have done this, should have, could have, would have, whatever. You didn't. Yeah. And this is what you have. You know what i say? The thing is, like, you might be saying we should have straightened up a long time ago. You might be right. <laughs> but... Again, we, we said this also earlier in the episode. Guess who's in front of us? This is what we got. This is what we work with. Yeah. You want to trade him now? Again, you might be right, but for now, it's not happening. Also, if you would have traded Crystal Tang back in the day, Penguins would not have won the Stanley Cup in 2016. Hell no. Unless the first... They would not have won it without Unless him. the first round pick we got for him was someone... Ooh, maybe a Seth Jones in there? <laughs> Seth Jones is overrated. I don't want to get into it. I'll have to. I'll bring in my backup of Jay Fresh if we have to have that conversation. No, you're very but. right, but I'm just thinking of who would have been the picks back then. But okay. Uh, oh wait, we wouldn't have picked that low though, huh? No. Anyway, I digress. We'll move along. But I mean, as far as the rest of these names are concerned, Doomlin now injured. You hope that he returns and plays better than he did the last time he returned from injury. Zucker has picked his game up a little bit. Malkin has picked his game up a little bit. Here's the thing. Jason Zucker is starting to get back to the point that we believe Jason Zucker could be. Kenny Malkin has a lot of way to go before he can get to that. So hopefully, like we said, back-to-back -back games, maybe it gets his blood pumping this week. Yeah. Maybe he goes out and has that three-point night, as you said, was nothing for him. But I also voted for Malkin. I don't need to get into yep. it. We already discussed that at nauseum today. So Horwat, what do you have left? Any other comments before we send the folks home for the first episode of the week? Hey, sorry it was a long episode, but hey, here we're going to leave you with this one. Y'all ready to see some reverse retros? I'm so excited. I am so excited to see what that looks like on Monday. I'm excited to see the Penguins gold again. I know you don't like those you know jerseys, what? but... I saw that in the media release they put in their record with that jersey, and I said, you guys are assholes for that one. <laughs> You can't dispute facts, and they win when they're wearing those yellow mustard and jerseys. We, but and how superstitious are we with jerseys, man? It just makes sense. You had to put it in yeah. there. It'll be a fun season. Mm -hmm. Let's. I mean, there's no fans, so I'm not too worried about them only wearing them on the road. So, cool. I guess that's what you have to do. Yeah. Go ahead. Close so, it out. <laughs>
Yeah, but hopefully they get a win and they start to go undefeated in the Pittsburgh Diagonals because it will be fun to finally see what they look like on the ice. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back Thursday talking about the Penguins' back-to-back games against the Rangers and the Devils. But for now, we say c'est la vie. Goodbye. We'll see you guys Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.